This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the manly Warthog Man Cave in the piney woods of North Central Florida, God's country, as you know. Hot God's country really lately here. We'll get into that at the bottom of the hour. And there's a lot of other things that are hot in this community right now. We're going to talk about it today with uh, our good friend uh, and a good friend of the county and a good friend to all the people, Senator Keith Perry. Uh, we'll talk with him in just a moment. We are going to, of course, thank the Melvin Law. We're in the Melvin Law studio, and Jeffrey Melvin supports us, supports a lot of people in this community, and we reciprocate. Always support those who support you. Huh? That's the way it works. And we are protected 24-7, 365, as you know, by our good friends, John Pastore and Randy Elrad at Crime Prevention. Can't get a better group of citizens than that behind you. And we've got a lot of sponsors here that you need to patronize. We've added a new one with uh, John Poser, Poser MD, who is a, one of the reconstructive surgeons here in town. And uh, we've got, of course, uh, Julia Ocasio here with us, uh, who is also Allstate. We've got a lot of people who are beginning to understand that we are a network. Podcasting really is the voice of the people. We're not disciplined by some gurus who own the stations and all. Uh, we're only disciplined by you, the listeners and uh, the sponsors who really want to hear our community discussions. Today is a really important chapter, yet another chapter, if you will, in the folly, If I think, I'm going to editorialize, being led by, and I'm going to use the name, our communist county commissioner, Robert Carl Marx Hutch Hutchison has put together, he was never even a city commissioner, um, Evelyn Fox, I like Evelyn, poor old Evelyn, shows up for everything, the NAACP, and of course, uh, Bottleneck Botcher, whom I call Bottleneck Botcher, she's always involved in the liberal issues. The reason I call her Bottleneck is she wanted a two-lane 8th Avenue. Uh, anyway, there we are. Senator Keith Perry is joining us today. He and his counterpart, Representative Chuck Clemens, as you know, are tremendous assets to this community. And the people have been frustrated for quite a while about rising utility rates, which they know is a cash cow or has been for the city commission and their pet projects, none of which seems to pan out. Keith, welcome to the Ward Scott Files. And you got the, you got the, the, the storyline we're above the fold today in the Gainesville sunset. And, uh, of course, uh, all it does is just reenumerate what we know. But uh, I'll let you uh, comment on, from your point of view, sir. Well, first, we got to thank Chuck Clemens. Uh, Representative Clemens filed this in the House. The way local bills work, you have you file those in the House first, and then um, uh, they come over to the Senate, and we take those up on a consent agenda and then uh, pass them over in the Senate. So, you know, this is a, uh, it's really what's unfortunate about it is it's, you know, um, so late in the game. The city commission has, and the, the progressives in Gainesville, they've really just ruined 
the uh, GRU, a great utility run by a lot of great people who work there, but uh, the city commission's decisions. And it started with the uh, feed-in tariff. Uh, j- j- I just want to think about this. Tommy Hawkins, who uh, Commissioner Hawkins at the time, we were at a meeting. This is before I ran for office. I remember I'm sitting with John Pastore. We're at a, a luncheon, and he's talking about this feed-in solar program. And he talks about it as not really what it's going to do, except for to give us a name. He says Gainesville is going to be recognized, not just around the state or nation, but worldwide, we are going to set the standard. And so I asked the guy, he's talking about how many kilowatts they're going to produce. So I raised my hand. I said, "Uh, Commissioner, how how much is that going to cost the, the rate payers? And he goes, that was, that's a great question. I asked the same question myself. And in about 10 years, it'd be a wash. Uh, and they're thinking about cap and trade and all these other things. So I said, okay, well, okay, 10 years, it'll be a wash. What about next year? <clears throat> Forget the hypotheticals. And he goes, I don't know. Next question. So me and Johnny pulled out our phone. I got my calculator out. I figured how many kilowatt hours. And I said, I raised my hand again. Commissioner, I said, it looks like I don't know about $4 million. It's going to cost the ratepayers. Is that right? He goes, I told you, I don't know the, the exact number. Of the next question. <laughs> This goes to show you the level, and this is throughout the history of these people. This just shows you the level. They don't care, didn't know what it cost, didn't care what it cost. All they cared about was having a name for the city commission in the city of Gainesville. Now, you could say to the to the users, you could say, hey, guess what? We're going to do a program. It's going to cost us $4 million a year. Just letting you know we're going to do it. But he didn't even care. How, how, can, how can you make a decision? And then, of course, they moved that into the uh, biomass plant, which which made that pale in comparison uh, that that we bought a, a power plant for what seventy five million for three years, and then seven hundred and fifty million cash for a for a built for a, a plant that cost the guy in New York City three hundred and seventy five million out of pocket to build. I mean, well, are these the decisions these people make, and and remember when you're saving the planet. <laughs> Who cares what it cost? That's right. Oh my golly! Well, that narrative reminds me of a meeting I went to way, way back when Mike Kurtz was the head of GRU, and um, big discussion. All the, um, the city leaders, if you will, were there because we, we really wanted to know. And um, he said, "You know, don't, don't do this. Don't do this." And so they summarily fired him, of course. Um, he was a great uh, director of GRU. Then I was the chair of the Rural Concerns Committee for 10 years here. I advised, we advised the county commission. We had at the time, uh, Keith, three foresters on our committee. And I summoned, if you will, the so-called experts in this biomass uh, uh, theory. And every one of our forester committee members said, on record, it ain't going to work. Mm-hmm. It ain't going to work. Do you think anybody listened to that? No. No, of course not. Well, well and, and this is the thing. There's, there's two things about the biomass plant and the solar contract they just entered into, a 20-year solar contract uh, just recently, is if you're going to burn trees and people told them it's not reasonable. Now, now, remember, the selling point was we'd had hurricanes come through. There's piles of trash and wood debris all on the streets. And so people are saying, well, why don't, what, what are we doing with all this wood? Why can't we, you know, use it for fuel? Okay. Well, first off, that's a hurricane. And now they're just clear cutting forest down, uh, to make the wood. But 
But the, the argument of whether or not you can burn trees efficiently to produce electricity, okay, that's a debate that you can have. They're not going to listen to you. But even if they said, okay, we're going to do it, why didn't they just build a biomass plant? The city of Gainesville borrowed money and built Kelly Power Plant 100 years ago. Hired architects, engineers, contractors built it. 60 years ago or whatever, they go out to Kelly Power Plant. They hire architects, engineers, contractors. They borrow the money. They build it. Why would you, why would you enter into a contract with a company, uh, that you're going to be a partner with, but the guy builds it? He had $475 million cost. He got a hundred million back from the feds and we bought it for 1.2 billion or whatever. I mean, it's, it's beyond stupidity. It is, it is, it is either criminal. I, I don't, I don't know what's worse. I don't know if it's a criminal act that our past mayor and people did to, to buy a 375 million plant, they could have built, they could have borrowed the money. They could have built it. They did it twice before they built water plants that we own. We've done all this stuff. It's either criminal or stupidity. And I'm not quite sure. Uh, I, I don't know what's worse is to have stupid or criminal active uh, uh, people running your government. But, but clearly these are totally incompetent people making decisions Um it's sad to say, I'm not saying they're bad people, but you would not have them, you know, you wouldn't have them at any part of your business doing anything for your company, uh, unless you wanted to declare bankruptcy shortly after you hired them. Uh, they're just incompetent people making decisions based on emotions. And it's sad that they, uh, now they're fighting this, uh, this board. And, and what's the, why are they fighting the board? What's, what's the, background. They're fighting the board for one reason, not because they think that the board can't do a better job managing GRU. They just want to have control. These are people who say we have to control it. It doesn't damn the people on each side of Gainesville that can't afford it. And I told you, Evelyn Fox, I like Evelyn. We get along. Uh, it, it's The NAACP needs to change their name, at least locally, to the NAACD, which is the National Association uh, for the Advancement of Colored Democrats. She didn't care about black people. Uh, Hinson doesn't care about black people. They care about Democrats and they care about keeping control. They did that with single member districts. They don't care about black representation. Think about this. They fought black representation. Uh, Pastor Thorpe, Kevin Thorpe in single member districts, separate subject you're talking about, but Kevin Thorpe, Pastor Thorpe got 62% of the vote in East Gainesville, his district, mostly black, 62% overwhelming majority voted for him, but because it's a countywide vote, uh, Ken Cornell is our commissioner. So why would, would Evelyn Fox and why would Henson fight single member districts when it gave black representation? If they cared about black representation, they don't, they care about Democrats. They care about retaining power uh, for themselves. And it's, it's, um, it's kind of that, that progressive movement moves beyond reasonable thought, reasonable consideration and, and certainly takes out all business consideration and makes it all emotional. Going to Senator Keith Perry about the GRU bill that's being challenged by a group of left wingers, really. That's not the only way to characterize them. We just uh, mentioned uh, um, Pastor Thorpe, great guy, very good guy. Um, he would have been a very good commissioner, would have represented his district very, very well. And Keith makes a good point. It's not about that. It's about really I think that the liberal left, as we know, keeps uh, the, the black folk kind of bought off by promising them things. And this really works into the finances of this fiasco here. 
Where do you get the money to finance these so-called promises to the black community, which never pan out? You get it from the GRU bill. And then that makes the GRU bill for those black folk go up. Um, The other thing that is really never mentioned, Keith, as you know, is how much it costs us to, to, to provide power to the schools board, to the school system. Um, Mm. This is really a catch 22. I don't, a lot of everybody, I guess, has read Catch-22 now, but in my day, it was, everybody had to read it. And the only way you could be crazy, the only way you could get out of the, uh, the service was to be crazy. And if you were, if you said you were crazy, you weren't crazy. That was the Catch-22, as I remember it. But um, here, here you have this situation where you go up on the electricity, then you turn around and add another tax to the community to pay for that which you want. The left hand doesn't communicate with the right hand. I mean, that's one of the really clear examples to me, Keith. Well, it is. And that's this, that's the unfortunate part about the working class people that they, and, and this is how they really uh, spin misinformation. And, and, uh, and so, so I'm in a committee meeting. This is, and this happens all the time, but I'm in a committee last session and we have a guy come up and talk about uh, these environmental issues coming up. And he made the comment, and I've heard this multiple times, he said that, uh, you know, we've really got to address this issue because black and brown people are being disproportionately affected by by these policies. And these are left-wing environmental policies. And I said, um, I asked the question, I said, how is this disproportionately affecting black and brown people? I said, where's the data? He goes, oh, we got got lots of data uh, on this. And I said, do you have that available? Well, not now, but I will give it to you. And, and he doesn't give it to me, never does. And two weeks later, I watch him. He, he's in a different committee meeting, standing up at the podium, talking to things, saying, hey, this disproportionately affects brown and black people. Now, with zero data, but that's what they do. They So they, they, they screw over East Gainesville with power bills. The school district gets screwed over with power bills. And it doesn't affect just your bill. It affects businesses. Um, I had a buddy who had a, a yogurt shop. Uh, years ago, he had one in Gainesville, one in Tioga, same size footprint. His bill in Gainesville was twice as much. Now he has all these refrigerators and freezers and stuff for his product. Twice the electric rate in Gainesville is in town Tioga. I don't know if it's Duke or Clay or whoever they have out there. I believe it's Clay. I believe it's Clay. So, so they're not only, you're not only taxed directly, but you're taxed indirectly as well when you have to pay for business. Businesses can't afford it, to do it. I've seen a daycare in East Gainesville. I met, went in there at a daycare center and the lady, it was really dark and, and, and kind of dreary in this place. And she said, I can't afford to keep all the lights on in my building and air conditioning running. But then they come out, so they screw over East Gainesville, but then they come out and say, we're doing it to protect you. We're, we're This has to happen because if we don't do environmental stuff, brown and black people are being disproportionately affected. It is it is a lie. It is deceitful. And and we have to have these these community leaders. And unfortunately, we have community leaders uh, espousing the same exact message, uh, which is in, unfortunate. But it's our job. And, Lord, I'm glad you have your show and we have it on there. It's our job to bring the truth. Then let people make the truth. Just like I said with Commissioner Hawkins, tell the people what it's going to cost. Live with the consequences. Don't lie to people or don't care about it, but don't, don't lie to the people and say, uh, you know, it's somehow it's, it's helping them and we're going to, ta- we're going to tax you all this money, uh, through whatever way it is. And then, but it's, a, it's for your own good. Uh, we're, 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 we're protecting you. That's just, just a bunch of crap.
it's unconscionable that Evelyn Fox, whom I know well, I like Evelyn, but, you know, why would she join forces with the very people who are strangling her people in that community with these bills? I mean, you know, it's so prima facie clear, but yet, you know, there she is lining up. Um, you know, it, it doesn't even make sense to make a pact with the devil for them on this because they're still not going to get anything out of the Robert Carl Hutch Hutchinson's, uh, the communist commissioners. Um, the, the thing, Chuck Clemens brought up an interesting point. I want to run it by you, Keith. He said, okay, they're going to challenge this thing in the courts. That means we're going to be able to depose people under oath. What's your take on that? He thinks that's going to be quite interesting, and we're going to be able to go way back. No, I, I think so. And, and by the way, hey, look, the courts are there. If you want to, if you want to file a suit, you can file it. I, I don't believe they're going to find anything there. If they do, hey, we we don't want to pass legislation that's unconstitutional, uh, that doesn't match up with other laws. And if, if they find something, hey, you know what? Power to them, and we'll go back and we'll fix it next year. I don't think they will, but but that's their prerogative. Um, but I do think that it does give you a right. Matter of fact, there's you know that's that's one good thing about lawsuits is you can depose the other side. They can depose us, like do public records request. Great. Have at it. Uh, and, and we'll do the same side uh, thing with them. And hopefully, you know, news, and this is what's different about your podcast, um, you know, the news, they'll interview me for 10 minutes and they'll use me for, for 10 seconds. It's hard to get the real message out in these really short sound bites that you have in there. So having a podcast like yours. Uh, and by the way, I, I, I would throw this out here. I was, I was at a Chamber of Commerce um, legislative update the other day. And uh, uh, Representative Henson brought up a lot of <laughs> sorts of Clemens, Brandon. We talked about how great the session was, and and she goes straight into her political stump speed. Head. Worst session in her life. <laughs> Worst session. <laughs> and and I challenged her. She brought up a lot of points, good points, uh, wrong, I think, on the message, uh, but good points. Talk about it. You, it on your show or any other show. Look, you know, bring any of these people on. Let's debate it on public. Sure. But, sure. but not in not in 10 second sound bites. But let's have a good, healthy debate about this issue. And I would challenge anybody in Gainesville. I um I get accused of a lot of things. Uh Governor Sanders gets accused of a lot of things. Let's let's have public debate. Let, let's debate, you know, use of pronouns. Let's debate, you know, sex uh sexualizing, you know, first graders. Let's debate right. that. Right. And right. uh they can make their statements and and but I think that having a healthy debate would be would be good to do. Well, you make a good point about uh um unfortunately the, the a lot of a lot of the interviews that are done on guys like us wind up on the cutting room floor. Uh I remember uh the New York Times came down and interviewed me um on this voter fraud deal here locally that we found over in the jail. And my golly, uh, Keith, as you know, I'm not telling you anything. They spent probably two hours talking to me. And then they sent up a photographer from St. Pete who must have taken kind of a hundred pictures of me. But when the article came out in the New York times, not only were none of the pictures there, uh, very little of the interview was there. And what was there, distorted what I had said. So, uh, you know, and people want people come to me, oh, my, the New York Times. I'm saying, hey, wait a minute. Have you ever been interviewed by the New York Times and then read what they said? Uh, doesn't work that way. The great thing about this, we're on 37 different platforms. We're running 24-7, 365, repeat, repeat, repeat. 
over on the wardscottfiles.com. You can pick it up right on Rumble. I don't know if you knew this, but YouTube took us down because we violated their community standards <laughs> and never explained what they are, yeah. what they are, challenging the conventional narrative about the the uh, the but YouTube uh, has super high standards. You got to understand. Watch uh, some of their content. Watch some of YouTube's content. And you say, "Oh man, their standards." Yeah, are really, yeah, really incredible. Some of the tr- some of the trash stuff that's on YouTube. Uh, yeah, you you get uh, taken off their platform for uh, not meeting their standards. Which again, they never tell you what they are, and never tell you what they are. And uh, it's <laughs> well, where do we go from here with this thing? Um, uh, I'm sure you guys expected this. I know that in and the and the process of getting us out and getting it accepted and bill on the bill night, everybody knew this would happen. They knew that um, they'd go. Golly, I, I'm going to use a name here. Eternally shows up. Eternally is in the mix. Professor Joe Little. God Almighty. Oh my God. He was there to kill single member districts twice. Uh, you know, up in the city of Alachua when we were trying to you know, move along and create a great community. He came up here with Grafsky and Barley and these guys and made life hell for us and then turned around and charged the doggone city for his law bill. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was six figures. I had to dish out to the dude. And, you know, he's got it down to a science. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't think we're going off the rails here too much talking about single-member districts because uh, they don't really want any dissent. That's the thing that bothers me about the word liberal it's not liberal. It's not open-minded, which is what it used to mean. It's closed-minded. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's, you know, look at the way in which uh, um, honest debates shut down, both at the state level and the, and, and the local level. And now on this bill, this bill is a wonderful lightning rod to bring out. It, you know, if we do it right, Keith. Like you say, we have a lot of discussion. We have it, you know, debate and all. It will show the flaws in the left. Mm-hmm. And I, I really believe it will. It will show the flaws. Yeah, and and you bring up a great point, which liberal, the definition, the term, the way our country was founded with this thing, we're going to learn, we're going to explore, we're going to debate, we're going to have free speech. Uh, the founding of, of our constitution, the founding of this country is we're going to have free speech and we're going to have to debate these things. And now they simply shut you off as right now the debate around town is, GRU is a bad bill, why? Because the governor's going to point. Okay, but 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 why? What? What? Who is he going to point? What is the issues there? Oh, it's just the governor's going to point. Well, that's you know they they do that all the time. Uh, if you say anything about sexualizing children, oh, you're a homophobic. You're a transphobic. Well, well, wait, wait, wait. Let's talk about the 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 legislation. Let's talk about the bill. Let's have good healthy debate. They don't want to have healthy debate. What they want to do is they want to preach to us. You know, they call it, you know, they think that this moral superiority that they're going to preach to us. And if you debate them at all, uh, that, that you're just going to, they're going to call your names. Oh, by the way, this is totally separate, but along the lines we're talking about, I found, and I've got books right here next to me. I've got school books that are being taught in our classes. Uh, we passed a bill letting parents, doesn't have to be a parent, it can be anybody, taxpayer, go online and see what they're teaching, uh, kids. Uh, how, how do we get criticized for that? I don't know that we don't want people to know. But one of the, you'll find a common theme now in, in, in a lot of these textbooks, which is bullying. And we can't bully. And I want to tell you, this is a really scary thing that we have government. By the way, someone asked me, why is the government involved in, in these school books? And I went, what, what do you mean, why is the government? It's a government school. Uh, you know, it, 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 you act like 
it's some group of, of parents out there getting no, it's a government school deciding stuff. But but these common themes, and like I say, I got examples right here on, on, on my desk of, of all these books. They're really what they're saying is if you question something, you're a bully. And so as a child, um, we're taught bullying's bad. We don't want bullying. People can be hurt that way. Um, but they're not telling you about bullying. What they're saying is we're going to shut off debate. This is the way it works. This is what we're doing. Uh, this is the truth. And if you question it, especially in these sexuality things of transgenderism, non-binary, male, female, neither all the stuff that we have in the school books. If you question somebody who is questioning them, you know, talking about this, then you're being a bully. I think this is a scary tactic of the left uh, to use this, to shut conversation down, to shut debate. Again, it's certainly not a liberal uh, uh, thing to say we're going to shut down. We're going we're to have a uh, thought or a theory. Well, it's not even a theory for them. It's a, it's a fact. It's not even a theory for these people. Here's the facts. Don't question it. Otherwise, you're a bully or you're a transphobic or you're whatever other name they make up. i got to ask you a question because it's so interesting being a long-time Alachua County resident. One of the things I think is amazing is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I'm just speaking here kind of from my vantage point, which is not from inside Tallahassee and all. But politically, you know how it goes. Well, Lachua County is crazy as can be. That's a blue county. We'll just kind of write them off. Whatever they do, let them implode. Uh, we're going to go win this county and that county, and you know, we'll carry the day without them. Okay. One of the things that amazed me is how you and, and, and Chuck got the rest of this state to pay attention to this ripoff. I mean, that, that, I want to talk with you about that. If I got it right, I may not have it right, but it, wasn't, it didn't even look like it was a hard sell. I mean, it might have been, but, you know, these guys don't care what happens to Alachua County. It's a bunch of crazy people there, right? But you got them to, hey, yeah, you guys are right. Let's get this going. How did, am I got this? Are, you, are we talking about on the GRU bill? Yeah, on the GRU about? bill. I, yeah, well, you know, and this is, again, when we talk about people in different circumstances become different people. So if you look at the JLAC committee hearings, which was run by a Democrat senator, and it was a, it's a bipartisan, uh, it's a it's Democrat and Republicans equally on this JLAC auditing committee. If you looked at the JLAC hearing with, um, with the Democrats, once they got all that information, they just blasted the city commission, uh, and, and they just had all these questions. Now, when it comes up, and not all of them, like on my side and the Senate side, especially some of the senators that were uh, familiar with the JLAC hearings, uh, they were very supportive of of this thing. Uh, but the Democrats all banded together, mainly because of Henson, and banded together, even though she blasted everybody in the JLAC uh, as well. But then all of a sudden, she has a different audience, and it's a different different message, uh, and, and it's how bad things are. But no, you know, and this is another thing that the, they fought us on the JLAC auditing. Um, they, they said, no, we don't need an audit. I, I own a business. We don't do audits very often at all because they're very, they're really expensive to do. I would, I would do an audit every year if it was the same as a review statement from my uh, accounting uh, firm that we hire. Um, they fought this, but then they came out and were like, th- oh, we're thankful that there's all these recommendations. They fought it and fought it and fought it and they do that, but they didn't. Different message. Uh, but the, the problems in Gainesville were so bad with GRU through the uh, Joint Legislative Auditing Committee outcomes that 
you know, they, it, it was hard for some of them to really fight it. Really? That's interesting. It was so bad that they even couldn't close their eyes and pretend it didn't exist. Yeah. i tell you another. At the J-Light meeting, we had uh, Mayor Ward and a bunch of other. Side note of that, I don't know how many people the city brought up there. Um, this is a side note, but I was thinking about it. He had mentioned all the people that he had up there. You know, we spend about $1.6 million a year for our Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Not sure what those people do, but we spend $1.6 million. I think he said, mentioned he had the director of the Office of Equity, Diversion, and Inclusion at a JLAC meeting in Tallahassee, brought him up to Tallahassee, um, make sure they didn't break any rules in the van driving up or something. I don't know what they did, but anyway, separate story, but what a waste of time and money uh, that the uh, the city does uh, with that kind of stuff. Well, I've never figured out what that uh, is all about, a DEI. And there's, there's a pushback on that now, and I think it's going to be pretty significant. It's going to come to their senses, and we're going to get back to education doing what we should be doing, and that's uh, teaching the kids how to read, write, and uh, um, do arithmetic. I mean, that's that's basically it, um, uh, what we're supposed to do. We've drifted so far away from that and in interjecting all these, um, um, I, I don't know what, you know. And I think one of the interesting things, Keith, is that the school boards have become the focus of a lot of political battles, whereas once upon a time, they were ho-hum. Nobody ever went to them, you know, unless you had kids. Mm-hmm. And now you've got people buying in, paying attention to what they're doing, because they understand this is all part of a big tapestry that they're trying to, to you know, to, to um, put make us all accept. Of which this GRU bill is one more part of the quilt. I mean, uh, it, it's I don't know. Let me uh, let me ask you this: If they got their way, I've been looking at what uh, Robert Karl Marx Hutch Hutchison, the, the the communist commissioner, wants. If they got their way, they just go back to business as usual, and I don't see anything in his dissertation or advocacy that suggests any changes from what business as usual was. Am I wrong? No. And as a matter of fact, the own, um, they had a consultant, I guess the city hired their own consulting firm a while ago to go over on some of their long range plans. Uh, Their long range plans before the audit was done and all this came to light, they were going to add another $800 million onto debt uh, to make us carbon neutral by 2035 or whatever the date was. Uh, another $800 million in debt. And by the way, the $1.7 billion in debt now, um, is it's a lot more than that. They value the biomass plant. I think it's, if I'm guessing, it's six or $700 million asset. Uh, that biomass plant, the one in Austin, <laughs> the same guy that came down from New York City, He's not a power guy. He's not an environmentalist. He's a business guy that duped a bunch of stupid city commissioners into screwing over all of us. Um, they He did the same thing in Austin, Texas. He did it some of these other places. I think they sold, seriously, the biomass plant in Austin, Texas, which was built just like ours, sold for scrap metal. I think it was 8000 or some dollars in uh, auction because the decommissioning costs were so expensive just to get the scrap metal out. It, it's not worth anything. So we're really more like $2.5 billion in debt. And again, they're going more in debt. I asked the mayor at a, at a thing, debate, this is three or four years ago. He wasn't the mayor at the time. When they were talking about carbon neutral, I asked the mayor, I said, what does it cost to be 100% carbon neutral? means you have to have battery backup. If you're going to power everything that GRU powers, and it's all solar and renewables that is not as dependent as, as fossil fuels. 
what would that cost be? And he didn't answer me. And I said, I've got uh, sources that have told me we're going to spend $800 million in batteries. Everybody knows batteries are not environmentally friendly uh, to make them and then to dispose of them. But even if that, think about this. If batteries, they have a lifespan between 15 and 20 years, supposedly. That's a long time for a battery, but we'll see. Let's give it the high end, say that that's 20-year lifespan on the batteries. That's $40 million a year that you have to escrow to buy new batteries in 20 years. I asked the mayor of this. Well, he wasn't the mayor at the time, the commissioner. His answer, well, he wouldn't answer. He wouldn't even address this. Again, these people wouldn't make any changes, zero. They would continue down this path. But, but remember the reason. We're saving the world. And literally, when you get into this yeah. cult movement, that if we don't ban plastic straws, we're all going to, you know, be Campbell would be Ted yeah. Turner. What did Ted Turner say 15 years ago? By this time, Ted Turner said, we're going to be cannibals, literally. And he believed it. When you get into that kind of movement, okay, then cost doesn't matter. Nothing matters. We're just moving forward. And if you bankrupt the city, if you bankrupt GRU, well, we had to. Um, and, and that's this. And and that's a that's a cult movement. If you look at the definition of a cult, when you believe in something that strongly that you're willing to do whatever uh, without any uh, you know empirical evidence uh, to support it, that, that's a cult movement. You know, we have a question coming in. That's an interesting question. I don't think we've addressed it, but at long last, will the disenfranchised users of GRU actually have a voice through this board in the rates that affect them? Even because it will, won't it? I mean, they won't be having to go through the city commission. No, well, two things about the board. One is you'll have someone in the county, at least one person in the county, and when it reaches a certain percentage of population in the county, you'll have a second one. So, again, this is this is Mayor Ward. When I asked the question about that, when I said the, the current city commission, by the way, their tagline right on their gates read uh, GRU, Gainesville's Utilities, owned by the people it serves. Well, it's not owned by the people it serves because 38% of the people live outside of the city. And they, so Mayor Ward said, well, I'm accountable. I still see people in Publix. I still <laughs> see people when I drop off my kids. Oh, God. Now, can you imagine me telling you, Ward, or telling any of your listeners, listen, I'm your representative. You, I'll see you. You can't vote for me. I'm not going <laughs> to allow you to vote for me, but you can see me. As a matter of fact, when I asked him, I said, what's your, what's your problem with the board? I said, what's your problem with this board? He goes, well, they're they're unelected. They're unaccountable. And I said, but you can see them in Publix. Anyway, that's uh, but no, this will be this will have people that will be with with different uh, experiences um, in engineering and accounting and having the county have have representation. Well, you can see them already being affected as city commissioners trying to find now. Uh, ways to cut the budget, which they should have done a long time ago, and uh, you know, looking for every nickel now because they're they're uh, a little concerned that they'll have some bills that they can't pay, which they were well, always. Gonna, and, and and think about th- think about this. Think about their stupid, stupid, probably the worst fiscal decision ever made in the state of Florida. One point seven billion in debt. I think it's more like two point two billion in debt. Think about what the city could do. If we had a billion dollars that they could invest in, what kind of parks could we do? What kind of roads could we do? What could we do to help the city out if they wouldn't have made this incredible, irresponsible decision that they keep on making? And by the way, for your listeners, 
The biomass plant deal was an all-redacted statement that nobody in the public could know about. The city commission just entered a contract with a, Re- a Regis, I think is the name of the solar contract. It's all redacted. You and me, nobody can know what the contract is. What are the terms? How much are we paying for power? All those things. What is our capital investment? We didn't know. You know why? Trade secrets. Oh, the old trade secrets, huh? Elected city commissioners entering to a contract with a giant corporation, and you and I can't know the terms because it's trade secrets. Oh, golly. What kind, oh, of, commi- what kind of elected people, you know, would, would do that and say, well, we have to do it for trade secrets? And I was really, and I'm going to tell you, I'm disappointed that all the commissioners, I was hoping that we had a couple up there that might say, no, we're not going to do this. But they all rushed ahead. Once they knew this bill was going to pass, they entered into a 20-year contract on this solar deal. Um, why? Because they, they they wanted to control it. They wanted to have it because maybe the new board wouldn't do it uh, again. They, you know, they told me, they said, if I signed a, sp- a piece of paper, they got permission that I could look at the contract if I didn't share it with anybody. Um, and they got permission for me. <laughs> oh my and I God. Said, and I said, no, I said, yeah, you know, you want me to sign something to say, I'm going to look at a contract, but I'm not going to tell. I said, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, anyway. you, you know, Keith, I'm glad you brought that up on the show because that's the first I've heard of that. The redaction issue. No, uh, trade secret. What, trade what is secret. a trade secret? I don't remember seeing that in the Gainesville sunset. I don't remember, you know, any of those guys up on the podium there at, uh, um, of course, I don't pay attention to them that much. Coming out and addressing this issue publicly. Um, uh, you watched it at the JLAC meeting when they were asked multiple times why we couldn't, why could not the public see a contract that the city commissioners were entering into for twenty years with a private corporation, and and their answer was so bl- lame on on tr- trade secrets and and why it had to be a trade secret. And we're getting a better deal because it's a trade secret. I need to give me some roofing contracts with government officials that are, I can't, you, nobody knows what my price is and uh, what the terms are because it's a trade secret. I mean, it's just a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a joke, but it's unfortunate that it's true that these people are doing this. And again, I was really disappointed that all seven city commissioners voted this. You, you think we have at least one or two that would step up at least one or two that would at least voice and say, no, this is not right uh, to do this. Well, it's supposed to be a nonpartisan group, but it obviously isn't. It's all lockstep Democrat, isn't it? It all it is. Yeah, it is. And they always say, oh, this is a nonpartisan race. Well, the sunset always outs that right away, you know. And and uh, you know, it's not a nonpartisan race. It's not a nonpartisan group. Um, well, we have a great conversation with you. I don't know what your time uh, issues are here, or whether you're available a little bit longer. But uh, we've gone past our bottom of the hour break, where we uh, thank uh, Wendell Lewis for supporting us with the weather and you're welcome to hang out until I do that little break. If you're, I mean, I got about 10, 10 more minutes or so. Yeah. Or 15. Okay. Yeah. If you want to do that break and then we'll, we'll jump back in. Okay. Okay. All right. Production, take me out to the break. We'll be right back in a minute with Senator Keith Perry having a great discussion, looking at the chat line. If you got any questions, we'll pass them along. Be right back in a moment on the Ward Scott files. 
Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right, we're back on the Ward Scott Files now with Ward's weather report. Thanks to Wendell Lewis at Lewis Oil. Chevron stations and support those Chevron stations and fill up at those places with that fossil fuel because, you know, we got to have it. Fossil fuel is still available to us. Don't let them squeeze you out of that into an electric car where you have to sit for about 45 minutes, an hour and sit around and charge up. Huh? Don't you see them all over the place? One of the great supporter of the Ward Scott Files. Listen, you got to you got to watch the press because right now they're making it is hot. OK, let's agree. It's hot. But it's been hot before. But now, and how long back do records go? I, you know, they don't go that far back. But now the big news is the world just, the world, the world just experienced its hottest global temperature this week. Now, why are we getting all that? Why do you think we're getting all that? First of all, I don't really know if that's so because, you know, how far back you want to go. And so what? Well, you know what? It's the U.S. National Center for Environmental Prediction. Huh? Environmental Prediction. 
So there you are. If you read it, it is hot, but. And hey, Gordon. Yeah, I'm I'm in the roofing business. It gets hot every summer. I've been I'm a, I, I started my career on roofs. Matter of fact, the first uh, year I started in 1976. It was the summer of 1977. I did my first tear off of a house. All we did was new construction. I was in suburban heights. It was the second week of May, 1977. The temperatures were over 100 degrees every day for a week solid back in 1977. You know, I, I wouldn't think that about wasn't this. wasn't in the record book then, huh? <laughs> no, well, and you think about the, the temperature is different in Gainesville than it is in Palatka, than it is in Ocala, than it is in where, where are they getting all the numbers and how are they doing all that stuff? I think they have five different temperature gauges in all of Antarctica and the oceans out there, five in that whole area. I mean, what are the inconsistencies? But this brings up a good point. This is where I'm going to uh, segue into this thing. I was at a committee meeting um, where we had a guy, it was on climate change and specifically on sea level rise in Florida. So we had a professor from the University of South Florida. His whole work is around sea level rise just in Tampa Bay. That's his expertise. He presents this long 50 page thing with all this PowerPoint stuff. Uh, at the end of the presentation, I went back and I asked him questions. If you go to slide 27, ask this and I asked some questions and he, he didn't have good answers for any of it. And then one specific, I said, if you go to this slide, he had a chart. And this chart started in 2015. And it had three charts of sea level rise in just in Tampa Bay. And it went up. They're all draconian. Tampa Bay is going to be underwater. And, you know, <laughs> is, it, is it 30 years or 50 years? It's going to be completely underwater. Now, we're in 2020 when this committee he hearing was coming on. So I said, hey, you've got these three charts that you know they're all tracking which one are we on it's been five years he goes well we don't have enough data to tell you what track we're on <laughs> i went you're a professor studying uh, sea level rise in tampa bay you're in the university of south florida you're a professor dealing with this stuff you've had five years of data but you can't tell us which one we're on i mean the, this and, and then you want us to make policy decisions uh, that affect the state of Florida. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really unfortunate that it's become where we, you don't know who to trust, who to believe. Can you trust or believe anybody five years of data and you can't tell me which track you're on. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I, well, you, just I made a very, you made a very good point about trust. Uh, Keith, uh, one of the things I work very hard at here on the show is being trustworthy with what we do. Um, and if we have a position, we claim it. We let them know, hey, listen, uh, this is my opinion, I'll say, or, hey, this is uh, so-and-so's advocacy. Um, and once you lose the trust of the people, uh, you can't get it back. And 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 uh, that's happened in so much of media. You know, one of the things I do every day to prepare for the show is just scour media all over the place, all over the world, really. And you get a flavor right quickly for what you can trust as a source and what you can't trust as a source. And I have to say that one of the best sources really consistently is the Wall Street Journal. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got responsible writers. Um, it doesn't distort it and it covers all the subjects. Conversely, one of the least reliable is the New York Times and, and you can go around and you can chart all these things. And, and, and this is where politicians learn this racket right quickly. To whom do they want to feed the information? Because they know Obama was a master at this. 
creating his own narrative, feeding it out to the people that would spread it, and, um, and, and away they went. Not much has changed. You know, the cover-up of Hunter Biden uh, is, is a classic. Um, come on, you know, we know what's going on with him. Um, you know, but if it were Trump, you know how it goes, double standard. So trust is yeah. a biggie. Trust is a biggie. And piece. I think back to this bullying for children, it's the same for adults. If you question this to a, a left person on climate change, for example, what are you telling me? You don't believe in, in, in climate change? What kind of a person are you? Not let's debate it. Let's look at the facts. Let's look at data. Let's go back historically. Let's do this. No. Oh, somehow you're an ignorant person for even questioning this. I don't know who the ignorant person is when people are told something and they just take it and believe it and say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to question it. But that's the way they've done it with us. We're not even allowed to bring these questions up. And again, that is, if you look at, if you look at the definition of a cult movement, you're going to see that. I can't remember the famous philosopher that said he doesn't care that people don't believe in God. This is, there's a big God movement, uh, anti-God movement a while back. He says they're going to believe in something. And, and what are they going to believe in? And what are they going to put their faith and their hope in, 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 into and their all their passions and energies? And when you do this to what I would call blind allegiance to things, and look, we have people on the right that have blind allegiance. I'm not saying it's a leftist thing only. We have people who have blind allegiance. Those are the worst kind of people to have, especially running uh, a country, running media, running some of the other things. When you have people who say, no, no, the truth doesn't matter. What we are going to do is we have a mission and we're going to stay on mission and don't confuse me with the facts. And if you question me, there's something wrong with you and we're not going to debate you on that. But and back to what I mentioned earlier on the show. I'm not the brightest guy in the world, but it doesn't make any difference. You can give me the brightest people. Go get the professors at the University of Florida. Go get lawyers. Go get little. Go get all of them. Let's have an open debate with the public on any issue at any time. And myself, Representative Clemson. Uh, Clemens will do it. I hope uh, Representative Henson, any of the city commissioners, any of the county commissioners. Look, I'm not saying I'm right on everything. I make mistakes. Great. Let's bring them up. And I want to know about my mistakes and correct those. Uh, but we need to, we need open debate and dialogue and, and not be told this is where you're, what you're going to believe. This is what the facts and don't even question me or, or there's something wrong with you. That's, that's again, that's not liberal, uh, thought. Uh, that is authoritarian uh, thought, and, and and they need to be called out, but we can't do that unless they're going to have an open debate with us. Well, it's uh, a great suggestion, and uh, um, <laughs> we we uh, we certainly uh, I don't know how to say this with uh, um, that we need more Ward Scots. <laughs> we do, you know. By the I don't mean you know you know what I mean. We need, yeah. more, we need more guys who are, who are, can do what I'm doing. I mean, this is, this is not easy. You know, I mean, I, every day I've done, I do it every single day. That's, I amaze myself, Keith. I do it every single day all over again. You know, I mean, I really don't need to. I don't have to. I'm retired. Uh, why do I do it? I do it because for me, it's an extension of teaching. This is exactly the way I ran the classroom. Hey, it's an open forum. Um, we'll bring in all kinds of guests. Let them speak. Um, we'll prepare and you guys evaluate the quality of what they present. Uh, I'm here to help you develop a, a strategy or technique on how to evaluate that. And then you're on your own. Yeah. And, uh, well, you that. do that. The left doesn't do that. The left does not do it. No, the left takes takes Clarence Thomas 
who's going to come teach at the University of Florida. He's going to give a speech at the University of Florida and they protesting. Condoleezza Rice, uh, the Secretary of State, one of the most powerful positions in the world. She can't give a commencement address at a, at a graduating class. They, they do not want to have debate. She was uh, a wonderful woman. Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And have you seen the documentary of Clarence Thomas, by chance? Yeah, I mean, I'm a wonderful guy. I mean, oh, well, to your listeners, go find the documentary of Clarence Thomas and you'll find out how the left operates <laughs> and what they do. And especially with um, uh, with um, with black conservatives, again, they don't want their voice to be out. They don't want them to be prominent. They want to uh, to stifle them again. <laughs> liberalism. We need to come up with a new game, name for these people because they're not uh, they're 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 authoritarian in their beliefs and, and how they operate. So. Um, again, it's not all Democrats. It's not all Republicans. It's just you got the radicals that that kind of influence, unfortunately, a lot of them. So, and that's back to the local area, back to the NAACP, back to some of these other groups that are not. I don't believe the Southern Poverty Law Center, uh, one of the most uh, racist groups you can possibly hateful groups you can ever have, but they're somehow given some kind of a stage as as this you know liberal group. Uh, which they are not, and, and they got to be called out because they obviously, I think, are, are uh, they can have their voice, but they can't stifle other people's voices. From your vantage point there in the Senate, uh, uh, what's coming up that uh, maybe the Gainesville Sunset hasn't covered? That you know, you got you got an opportunity here to talk about maybe some things you think have been underreported or uh, we need to be aware of. Um, uh, I know. Well, that- well, I think the biggest thing is education. Uh, Plato said, that's the biggest you know, well, well, Plato said the two most important things in life are who's teaching your kids and what are they teaching them? And, and we've seen this educational, remember, this is not, this is government institutions that are right. teaching our kids. Again, I've got books here that if you, if your listeners saw just some of the stuff that they're teaching children, um, and, and not allowing debate, they're not allowing uh, a creative thinking, uh, like here's the indoctrination, believe it or else. And, and so we have got to, to continue this fight. We didn't bring this fight on. Um, we didn't bring the fight on to Disney World. Uh, Governor Santa said the other day, I was down with him down in the, the villages. He said, what Disney did, if we didn't take on Disney, we'd be chumps. You know, here it is at Disney World. We pass a bill to keep first and second graders from being indoctrinated on sexual uh, identity and sexualization. And Disney doesn't come out and say it's a bad bill. Disney comes out and says, we are going to change that bill. We, a corporation, they can say whatever they want to, but for them to say, we as a corporation are going to change laws that were not, were passed by people who were elected. And then we have the Democrats. It's funny how they spin this as, oh, this is a partisan issue by Republicans. <laughs> You have one of the biggest corporations in the world, one of the most powerful corporations in the entire world, telling the public that we are going to go change laws and they have some kind of special protection and every Democrat goes to support them. They're supporting the largest corporation. I thought the Democrats for the people, you know, for the working class people. No, they're for the biggest corporation in, in the world. So. We've seen this shift in this thing, and we've we've seen the Democrats supporting things that you would think they they should not be supporting. Again, they're supporting not a you know this change in governance for GRU. Why? Because it's good for the poor people, the working class. No, we don't care about them. Uh, that's not important. Now we're going to use them, and we're going to act like we care about them, and we're going to act like policies 
are disproportionately affecting brown and black people with no evidence, but we're going to do it to keep, you know, to keep that. We don't care about them. We want to use them as pawns to get our agenda done. And that's what they're doing. Um, and so those are these, these issues that we got to keep bringing up and you Ward, man, I got to thank you for doing this. Like I say, every morning getting up and doing this kind of thing to, to, to help educate, bring the light. Again, it doesn't mean you and I are right all the time. Uh, it just means we're willing to debate, talk about it, and bring it to light. Well, it's very interesting that you uh, uh, have singled out this education issue. Yes, it is. It's changed so much since I got into it. You know, um, it was um, it was a very orderly place, so to speak, when I first got into it. Uh, um, it seems as if we had more clarity about what the objectives were of education. And that was to become a competitive person at the next level in either business or academics and um, be able to better yourself. But along the way, somebody dumped this 1619 stuff and America is born in sin. And um, I, 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 from being around real research, if they would just stop to research what they're saying, they would find out it, it, it's absolutely bogus. I mean, that, it's, it's not just bogus, bogus. It is detrimental. And I told this when, if you think about all the shootings in these inner cities, you know, they talk about police violence. These people are killing each other in mass numbers. They're just killing each other on, on a regular basis. I, I told people when I watched in New York City, um, when I, when you saw children cheering on, uh, throwing trash and water at police officers. When you do that, and when you educate children that they live in an unfair society, that that the hierarchies are wrong, that you can't have authority, you can't have these things. Well, what are you creating? Uh, you're creating a menace to society. You're, you're creating an anarchy is what you're doing. And and that gets back, and as a matter of fact, that's we had two people. We had Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders running for president years ago, both saying that the police were the oppressors. The police were the oppressors. Okay, well, you're telling kids that what you have to do is life is so unfair that we're not going to educate you to get ahead and be good and be responsible and build yourself. We're going to educate you that life is unfair, that the 1619 Project, which is just crap, just garbage to educate children in these kind of ways. And what are you going to have? You're going to have anarchy. Uh, and that's what we're getting. We're getting the, in, in cities where you have children shooting children. And it happens in Gainesville. It happens in Ocala. It doesn't happen just in Philadelphia, but in those big cities, it's, it's certainly a, you know, a crisis mode, but that's all due to education models of what are we teaching children? And, uh, the 1619 project is, is a prime example of one of the worst things we can do with children. Well, it's been a great talking with this hour. We got to do a little more often now and then. And, um, Keep the people on their toes. Let them know what's going on. And uh, we'll keep an eye on this debate, if you will, if you want to call it uh, the other side. They're not really interested in debating. Uh, they want to drag it into the court and see if they can't uh, um, somehow twist the arm of some judge to get get what they want. They're not interested in the people, but we'll keep an eye on it. It's going to be a story that we'll cover here locally. And you've been very helpful today. And, of course, you've been helpful up there in Tallahassee tremendously. So. Uh, thanks for being around to talk with who uh, you're very active in the community. Yeah. You might see uh, Keith in, in Publix. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You might see him, but we have to <laughs> run along now. We'll be back tomorrow on the Ward Scott files. Thank you so much for Perry for being here. 
Uh, and thanks for production for giving us a good show again. And thanks to all your listeners and sponsors. Uh, we'll see you soon. Warthog Command Center out.